Hello and welcome to this Endo Life episode 15. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about bringing you guests who are battling chronic conditions and mental health issues in their own unique ways and are changing the lives of others with their amazing work. So you've probably noticed that today's episode came out on Tuesday, not Monday. Um, If you don't follow me on Instagram, um, that is because I am changing my release day to Tuesdays. I'm trying to live a bit more intuitively um, and just going with what feels right and Tuesdays just flow better for me with my um, yeah my my work schedule so um, yeah that's what we're gonna do from now on I hope that's cool with you guys. Today I am talking to my friend and the incredibly talented Olivia Dejemulhauska. Um, Olivia is the founder of the gorgeous Womanology she makes intimate well-being products and her brand is all about reclaiming womanhood. Olivia has many reproductive um, health conditions. So she has vulvodynia, vestibulodynia, clitorinia, interstitial cystitis and several other conditions. Um, after years and years of being undiagnosed and going through quite a traumatic time, she's now living practically symptom-free thanks to lifestyle changes and educating herself um, on a host of well-being therapies for women, which she's now incorporated into her work with womanology. I chatted to Olivia about her journey um, and how that inspired womanology and the importance of female pleasure and female intimacy and why she wants to help women fall in love with their bodies again. I thought it was a really timely um, interview, given that we've got Valentine's Day just around the corner tomorrow actually and there's just so much emphasis on being attractive for your partner or being attractive in the eyes of men and so Olivia's story um, is really hugely about getting in touch with her sexuality again and her feminine side however you want to um, interpret that and I think it's really interesting conversation for anyone who is struggling with painful sex or um, just intimacy, um, self-pleasure and struggling with sexuality due to their conditions. Um, Olivia's products are absolutely amazing so I will link to those in the show notes and yeah I hope you really enjoy this conversation. So I wanted to start with asking you like about your conditions Um, because I know those have been the catalyst for you to start womanology. So can you explain to us the main conditions that you have and what they are? Um, Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, So I suffer from, the list can go on, but I suffer from vulvodynia, vestibulodynia and clitorinia, which are, um, I I group them together because they're pretty similar. It's a chronic pain condition and um, in your, in your, uh, pelvic area mm-hmm. and vulvodynia is localized in your vulva vestibulodynia is localized in your vestibule which is the entrance to the vagina and I didn't know um, that so thank you for that I didn't know that, <laughs> that was the entrance yeah and clitorinia um, which is localized in your um, clitoris mm-hmm. and um, so the the symptoms of these conditions are uh, burning and stinging and feeling sore and irritated. Um, and there is, when you go and try to have it um, diagnosed, it, it's quite problematic because there is no infection present and, and, and the area looks totally fine. There is 
visibly nothing wrong with it and um so that make that makes it quite hard mm. and it can be you can have kind of two types that one that is provoked by touch or sex or stress or sitting and unprovoked where the pain and the discomfort is constant um and you know this condition can make it difficult to sit to walk to to go to the toilet and wearing trousers even as simple like that i've i've worn leggings and for about five to six years i couldn't wear anything else wow so that that yeah that really affects um your well-being and then I also suffer from pudendal neuralgia, which is your pudendal nerve is the nerve that supplies the pelvic area. Okay. And and the, it's characterized by the pain in, in the pelvic area, which can be linked to vestibulity and vulvodynia and clitorinia, and as it also is worse when sitting. And this is slightly different pain because it's more internal. It can be extremely sharp and excruciating. And um, the toilet visit can be a really um, intensive experience. And right. I, I, faint, I fainted from pain on occasion while sitting on the loo. It was, it was, yeah. Sounds so, tough. Um, yeah, that was, that was quite tough. It's like um, a very pinching, stubbing pain. Mm. It, and of course, like, so with that, because it's the, the, nerve that supplies the pelvic area that is responsible for your orgasms and feeling aroused and all this so you know being aroused felt painful and orgasms were painful they were just painful there was it was yeah that was very difficult and it can happen when the nerve gets either damaged or irritated or trapped right so um so yeah many times it can be uh, musculoskeletal which i think it was in my case because yeah. I have um, I have a hypermobile joints, so they my joints move quite freely and can trap muscles or can stress the I'm sorry can trap the nerves and can stress the muscles, where, mm. which causes the nerve to be trapped. And then um, I also suffered from interstitial cystitis, which I know that feels one. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's. it's no, it's not. I think it would be better no, though now, which I'm so grateful for. That's good news. And, um, yeah, it is. And I, I mean, most of my conditions are gone now. I mean, I've I've managed to get myself to a really good level, and they only come back if I go sloppy with my diet and self care. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's under control, which is amazing. And then, so the interstitial society is just, it's just like pain and pressure in the bladder. Yeah. And uh, it feels like you have a urinary tract infection, but they cannot find anything. So, um, so yeah. And then I also have a hypotonic pelvic floor. What does that which, mean? Oh, it means that the muscle in your pelvic area are super, super, super tight and engaged all the time and you have no control over them. So you cannot relax them. Wow. And that's basically, that's why I couldn't give birth to my daughter because my birth canal was so tight that whenever she was descending, the muscles were pushing her back up. It was just, yeah, it's unbelievable. And of course, this effect everything going to the loo and 
it's yeah it can be quite um quite um quite an experience and that led to vaginismus which is the 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 muscles of the vagina become really tight mm. and you really you really have no control over it it took me about six months with the pelvic floor physiotherapist to be able to control my muscles again wow yeah that was um yeah and then so that are the main ones i suffer from fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and i have um, some depression and anxiety, which, you know, which is, I, I believe that all of this is really connected. So. Yeah. And chronic pain leads to depression as well. So yes, it does. Yes. And stress and chronic stress can lead to chronic pain. So yeah. yeah, there's a bit of a cycle, isn't it? It is. It really is. So don't, you know, you don't have to answer this at all, but is there a reason, like a connection between like why you have so many and why like many conditions in that area and why like other women might get conditions in that area because for example with endometriosis um interstitial cystitis has been dubbed as its evil twin so the percentage mm -hmm. of women who have interstitial cystitis with endo is really high and it will be higher as well if they started diagnosing it properly but they don't um yeah i mean i'd obviously if this is anything to do with um you know trauma or whatever we don't need to go into that but I was just in a general sense of speaking do you know if there's like a link between them well I don't know for sure but I feel like there is I mean I've had quite difficult stressful childhood and I've been told I've been depressed since I was a child and I've always been extremely anxious and you know, I had a very bad relationship with my mother and now we have literally no relationship anymore. And I think that the lack of the, the, the female role model for me was a very big part of it. Like kind mm -hmm. of I was very disconnected from my feminine side. I always been friends mostly with men because I didn't trust women because of the, you know, the, the relationship with my mom. And and I think that definitely has something to do with it. And also, you know, I've been under chronic stress since I was little and that leads to inflammatory conditions, to, to, yeah. to autoimmune conditions. So, so I definitely think that, you know, stress, chronic stress and, and adverse situations in your life and, and being disconnected from your femininity can, can lead to this. It's like your body screaming, hey, you're a woman, come on, just, you know, own this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. And I know that your your journey was, I really need to stop saying that. I always say, I know that. I'm like, I already know this about you. <laughs> but your, your journey with diagnosis to, or with all of those things was quite difficult for you. Um, did you want to yeah. talk to us a little bit about that? Because I know a lot of women will relate to that story, um, especially of endometriosis having such a long diagnosis time. And I guess what that, we're going to talk about womanology in a bit, but maybe like the thought processes that's that started kicking off in your head, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. So, um, so I can start with when it all started because I've kind of meditated on it for so long, and I kind of know what has triggered it for me. Yeah. Uh, and then it's just a cascade of everything else. But so it started in December in two thousand and seven, where I got my really my first um, urinary tract infection. Mm -hmm. And I went to the doctor, I got the medication for this. 
and the medication kind of um, caused me to have thrush. And then after like uh, two, three weeks, I had another um, urinary tract infection, thrush, and then urinary tract infection, thrush. And it was going on for about one and a half years. Wow. And yeah, that, that's been a very tough year because I, I remember I, I got it to such a point that I was peeing with like clots of blood. It, <gasps> it, it was horrendous. Yes. Uh, and then after about... Um, a year and a half I kind of when I went to the doctor there was no more um, bacteria or anything there but I still felt like I had it and I think that's when my um, hypertonic pelvic floor started because from all this pain I started tensing up a lot I was refusing to go to the toilet because it was excruciating and and I kind of, re- I feel like I retrained my muscles to be in a constant spasm. Mm. And that probably led to trapping some of the nerves and irritating the nerves. So I, so, you know, the vestibulodynia and vulvodynia started and the neurology. And that, that's how it all started from a recurrent thrush and um, UTIs. And then, um, but I didn't know that then. Of course, yeah, and you didn't know what they were. No, I didn't. Then about, I think about like two or three years when the pain was getting worse and it was it was just really, I was very depressed at that time. And um, I went to a doctor in Poland and she suspected endometriosis and she sent me to the hospital to have laparoscopy. And it was such a difficult experience for me being taken to the hospital. And, you know, it, it, it has been tough. I don't know whether you had this experience, but at the hospital, I felt really, I, I didn't feel seen or heard or understood. I was just another thing that has to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it was horrendous. It was, it, it, it broke my heart. It was just... Yeah, I mean, the nurses were wonderful, but there were situations where I really, like, I told my husband, I want to get out of here now. Let's just get my stuff and go. So anyway, and then, so after that, I realized that they're not really going to help me. They're just going to put me on more and more medication. And I already had, like, a full box of hormones, painkillers, liver pills, other pills I don't even remember what was in the box but it was a pretty big box and you know taking all this medication was causing me some other problems so I had to take medication medication for this other problems yeah it was never ending and after the visit in the hospital I said to myself enough I was like what and I was 22 23 years old at that time it was terrible. Yeah. This must be quite and scary as well. It was. It was scary because I, w- I wasn't getting better. Mm. And then, so yeah, and then I said to myself that I have to take the matters in my own hands because they're just they're just not going to do anything. I mean, the medications I was prescribed, I mean, I was given hormones and nobody even checked my hormones beforehand. You know, I never had the blood test to, to assess my a hormone balance and everything I was just given hormones assuming that this was this but yeah it, it, so yeah so then 
I thought, okay, enough. I stopped taking all the pills at once. I went cold turkey. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I signed myself up to a short course at Neil's Yard Remedies to, mm-hmm. for um, herbal medicine, uh, nutrition, and like um, skincare making. Okay. Just to get myself into it. Yeah. And I fell in love with herbal medicine and I met the teacher, um, Nikki, there. And I said that I really liked the course, whether I could do the degree. And she told me that the, <laughs> that the course um, applications close in like two days. Oh, no. So I just ran to the university and I managed, I got in. So that was amazing. That's amazing. What a story. And then, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it's a very good memory. And from then on, the healing journey really started. So my lessons, my main lessons are that if you want to get better, you have to take control of your life. Because, you know, people, other people, um, I don't know, you, you need to really get to know yourself and think about what have what could have caused it and really become in charge of your body don't give yourself away to other people Mm. to do the job for you because yeah I think that's my main lesson yeah no that makes a lot of sense and so you you started with um herbal medicine yes yeah so and then I know you've done a lot more from then so you kind of went down this route of educating yourself into was it um learning what it is to be a woman i think that's how you describe it on your on your website yes that's that yes i went to school of womanhood <laughs> <laughs> so what did that include um so yes i started with herbal medicine and pretty much right after i enrolled at aromatherapy with Zealand remedies you don't do things by the- halves do you olivia no, I, that's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've um, I've started both, and I also have done in the meantime pregnancy massage and postpartum massage and labor massage with um, with Neil's Yard Remedies. Um, and then I got pregnant, so I haven't finished herbal medicine. Um, I tried to go back, but um, it's been a rather rocky journey for me after I had my baby because I was quite depressed. Postnat- I had a postnatal depression. Then my father passed away. Then I got, you know, it was a hard, um, hard me, hard thing for me to process. And mm-hmm. then my health problems got worse. I I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia and another thing so I never finish herbal medicine but I will at some point yeah well you're doing I mean I know you personally so I know how much you're studying already at the moment <laughs> I just I just love learning so it's, no it's a great way to be <laughs> yes I, I I think so and and then also when I was pregnant I started I um hypnobirthing course because I thought it was amazing and I just actually so it was quite tough for me to finish it. And then I, because of all the emotional and physical issues, but I just, yesterday I sent my coursework in. So I'm really proud of myself. Yes, finally. So is that the end for you now with that? Uh, well, I, I have to go to a refresher course and everything because, you know, I haven't done it in a few years. So yeah. I would like to, you know, up- update my um, knowledge and, and skill. 
That's amazing. But it ended, but like officially you've finished it now. Well, if they pass my assessment, then yes. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. It's been waiting on my shoulders for a, for a long time. So that's a, a big relief. Mm. And then I'm also trying to finalize my fertility massage therapy case studies at the moment. So, so yeah, and that's not the end. I'm really planning to do the womb yoga very soon that would... to become a womb yoga teacher. And um, awesome. Do you have to do a whole like training in yoga before you do womb yoga or is it a bit, is it different? Uh, um, I spoke with a teacher and she said that if I'm already in women's health with all this stuff that I'm doing, that I should be fine because there is, you know, not every, you cannot do everything for this. So, so there is a very, um, it, it, it's a set of, of poses and oh, okay. knowledge that is quite specific to women and mm. you don't do very complicated poses and there is a lot of yoga, nidra and meditation and you know so so yeah I think I, I should be fine and I've done quite a bit of yoga on the side so so I think I could possibly manage but we will see so so you've got the fertility massage the is it called womb massage am I getting this right um, it is called fertility massage therapy it's um it was founded by Clara Blake and so is- it, it's called yeah is that like one type because you mentioned there was there was three types of massage that you do but do they all come onto fertility no no that's just one type it's focusing on the womb abdomen and sacrum and Mm -hmm. lower back to work on the pudendal nerve through sacrum and uh, work on the womb through the abdomen oh cool wow so you are really trained in like loads of different things around being a woman yeah, well, I had to learn it all myself. I, you know, I didn't have a mom or a kind of a stable female role model to teach me women's stuff. So yeah, I mean, and, even and, when you do, I'm not sure that they always actually teach you. So <laughs> sometimes well, we do have yeah, to find I out guess. on our own. Yeah, I guess yes. So yeah, and you know, I'm a very thorough person, which is a blessing and the curse, as my husband says. So I cannot just do one thing I just I literally have to know it all (laughs) yeah oh no but I think that's I think that's lovely that you've actually created this kind of fountain of knowledge which has enabled you to start what you do now yeah and you know most of it was actually inspired like afterwards the, the specialization in women's health was inspired by my daughter oh that's so sweet yeah, it's, you know, I want, I want to be a role model to her, but I also want to teach her that being a woman is great. It, it's not a curse. It's, it's a blessing. And, you know, she, it's just, I don't know, to empower her and know her body and not be afraid and not hate it. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of self-hate out there towards our bodies especially like female bodies um not just from you know women but from men too um so yes I think it's really important that you're doing this and you're putting that message out there I mean actually as we're kind of on the subject do you want to tell us about what inspired you to start womanology and kind of what womanology is 
Yeah, sure. So what inspired me was my daughter mm. and um, and the journey I had to go through. I mean, it took me eight years to get diagnosed with my pelvic pain conditions. Eight freaking years. It, it, it's a joke. I mean, ugh, I, I cannot even begin to say what I think about it. And and then when I got uh, pregnant, undiagnosed with those conditions, I didn't really know what I was getting into. And also, when you know, becoming pregnant, the way people started treating me was like my body was no longer mine, and I had no right to make decisions about how I'm gonna give birth and what is good for my baby. And it was, it was unbelievable. Mm. And then the birth, you know, I wish I knew what my conditions were. I would probably have prepared a bit differently. And the postpartum, I was, I was pretty depressed. And the pressure I received um, from the doctors and the nurses regarding breastfeeding and this and that only led to more problems and more depression. And it's, it's terrible how they treat you when you're a woman and especially pregnant or woman with a baby. It's, uh, I, I don't even know how to describe this. It's very disempowering and disrespectful. Mm. And then, you know, and then having a daughter and realizing the world she's going to have to grow up with, um, in, sorry, um, kind of shook me. And I thought, like, okay, I'm, I must do something about it. I, I'm not going to just, you know, let it be the way it is. And then I remember the first step I took after, this was about the same time I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And it was about almost a year after my father's passing, I signed up to the fertility massage therapy course um, with Claire Blake. And there I attended my first sisterhood circle. I love And it was circles. such an empowering experience. And it was amazing because I remember I just stepped through the door and it was all women. And my body just started crying. It, it wasn't me crying. It was my body feeling the energy of all these women gathering together to empower one another and to support one another and to teach one another about being a woman was was amazing and that at that moment it's that that moment was when womanology started forming in my head it was after that weekend it was a very powerful because it was over three weekends um month apart right and each single month i was growing stronger and more powerful and it was amazing it sounds amazing and i now really want to sign up <laughs> just to go to the weekend <laughs> it's it was amazing and um and each month i was coming to the course and I was told I'm a completely different woman from the from the first month I attended. I was broken the first month I came. The first day I was crying all day, and the second um, day I couldn't move. So I was just sitting there because I like I was just so exhausted from all this emotion I felt. 
and it was it was a beautiful experience that kind of led to womanology and then with with each I actually no I started working on womanology a month after that before I attended the second month of the course it just I remember I was sitting in the kitchen and for a while I wanted to start my own product and I didn't really know what to do um and then I was sitting in the kitchen looking at my husband and it came to me. The name just came, Womanology. And it's like, yes. It's such a this. good name. I love the name. And it just came to me. I was like, it just, it just like, I know it was sent to me from the universe <laughs> or something <laughs> because it was just so unexpected. Yeah. And my husband, my husband's like, oh my God, this is such a good name. Let's trademark it right away. <laughs> oh. So we trademarked it that same night. <laughs> That's amazing. And yeah, it was. It, and then I realized, you know, I have been making preparations for myself when I was pregnant. I made things for myself when I was giving birth, like sprays and things, and then postpartum to heal my um, to heal my perineum because I had to had a um, episiotomy due to because uh, because of my vaginismus and hypertonic pelvic floor, my daughter couldn't descend, she couldn't go through, so I had to transfer to the hospital at some point and have a forceps delivery, which was kind of difficult for me to accept, but well, it happened. And, and, you know, I was making myself potions, lotions and potions to support the healing, sit baths and creams and ointments and oils and then for my nipples, because breastfeeding can be tough on the nipples. Mm. And, um, and yeah, and, you know, before that, I also start already started with the pessaries for trying to help with my pelvic pain, which, um, which I was encouraged to do by my herbalist, who now sadly passed away, Christopher Headley. And, um, mm. and yeah, so, so then at the same time, I also started, um, as I attended the fertility massage course, I started counseling because I was doing quite, uh, it was quite tight for me emotionally. And I started counseling. So that was also giving me a lot of strength and I think by December I was already kind of forming a plan so it was December 2015 I was already forming a plan womanology was already starting to be conceived and and then I just worked on it for I mean I launched in 2017 yeah so for Two and a half years. I was or actually no, two years. I was working on it for two years, and it's been the most amazing journey. So, what yeah. can people exp- like? What I'm going to rephrase that. <laughs> so, what is womanology? Um, I obviously know you've got some lovely products, but do you want to tell us about those? Uh, yeah. So, womanology. I designed womanology to inspire women to connect with their bodies, like to to accept their female bodies as they are. They're perfect just the way they are. And um, so I, I, I started with three products. Mm-hmm. Um, the first product I created was, um, it's called self-love potion number one. And it's an aphrodisiac balm um, to encourage women to masturbate more and to connect their body in a sexual and sensual way because I, I feel there is some sort of taboo around female masturbation and female pleasure. Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. 
and also because that due to all my pelvic pain and, and the suffering and depression, I became really disconnected from my sexuality. So I wanted to create something that will encourage me to get to know myself again in sexual way and to start pleasuring myself again. Mm. So, um, so yeah, and it's made with cardamom and jasmine and vanilla. It's it's a really beautiful scent, and I, I I'm really proud of that one. It smells amazing. Like obviously, you sent me samples of all of them, um, yeah. and it just and I know one of our friends uses it as a perfume. Yeah, totally. Well, that's kind of the point, and. Um, what I love about it is that after you used it for a while, then whenever you are out and about and you smell cardamom or vanilla or some jasmine, it brings you right back. And it's like, okay, I, I might need to go home now, <laughs> which That's is amazing. very nice. I love it. Um, so, yeah, that's the self-love potion number one. And mm-hmm. then I also created um, the Intimate Cleansing Oil, which is it's my favorite. Oh, me too. It, I created it not because I feel we're dirty. I created it to support the irritation I was getting from, from you know, the vulvodynia and vestibulodynia. It's just something to soothe my uh, my vulva, but also to soothe my mind and my soul. And I just love the ritual of using it. And it's made with a blend of uh, very nourishing and soothing and healing oils and it has essential oils of chamomile and geranium and lavender which make a lovely delicate scent and they're very good for soothing and healing the you know irritated tissues mm-hmm. that we might have out there so um i've i've heard women saying that it's great after they had after they are irritated after sex or yeah. a long day, day or in this after being in the sea when the salt can irritate or after having a long day walking where you know that you mm. can get some irritation so so yeah i'm very proud of this one i actually use it all over my body because i just oh, i really? just love this so much <laughs> yes, I, I had to toast <laughs> Oh, you must smell amazing. So, uh, yes. And you know what? My sister absolutely loves it. And so does she love the self-love potion number one. <laughs> I, one time I brought a jar of the 15 mil of the self-love potion number one. And I left it on the, cup, on, on the cupboard, on the shelf. And then I come back. I was in the kitchen. I come back to the kitchen and I see my daughter with a cheeky face with a jar, empty jar in her <gasps> hand. She just put it like head to toe all over her hair, her face, oh, her clothes, everything. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, she absolutely loves this one too. And she has her little bottle of the intimate cleansing oil in the in the bathroom too. I have the big one, she has the little one. That's so, so cute. Yeah, it is, she's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then there is the prepare repair elixir which started out as a perennial massage oil um which is very very handy to do when you're pregnant to um, prepare for birth mm-hmm. um, because it can reduce tearing and 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 can speed up the recovery can you just explain the word perennial for anyone who's like not yeah sure cool so 
perineum is the area between your vagina and your anus. It's mm -hmm. just that, that bit of, um, of the body. And it's nice to massage it and stretch it gently um, when you're pregnant. But also when you suffer from vulvodynia, vestibulinia and all these conditions, it's quite, um, quite important to get the, the body used to touch. So, yeah, I just recommend it all around. And, um, and that's where they cut, isn't it? So, like, if you if a baby's stuck, they will cut down. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Um, they used to do it more routinely, and they used to do it from the vagina down to the anus, but they stopped doing that because that was quite traumatic for women. Um, so now they cut it more to the side of your um, – so they cut it, like, maybe 7 o'clock or right. something, or 8 o'clock okay. kind of now which is, I think, much better in my opinion. Mm. So, um, so yeah. And the perennial massage oil, which is the Preparelixia, -per it started as a perennial massage oil. And then it, I realized that it was just so nourishing and so amazing that it can be used for anybody. I had, I had clients using it with like, um, vulva skin conditions because I, I had some clients with like eczema or or some some other problems and and they just love it and it's really great whenever the skin is dry so I've also had some older women um like menopausal women using it as a massage to to keep the the tissues supple and and also it's great all over the body which I also use on my face and everywhere <laughs> Because it's just it's full of sea bacterium and rose hip and argan oil and it's one hundred percent organic um, this oil. Um, so yeah, it's gorgeous and it doesn't have any essential oils because I wanted because pregnant women are quite sensitive with their with their smell. So I wanted to um, avoid any any unnecessary any unnecessary um, I don't know irritation to yeah. the pregnant women. So you're, I just want to kind of go um, onto your ethos a little bit and your like values around womanology because I just, I think that that even if you don't buy the products, just reading your website can make such a difference to someone's um, relationship with their bodies and with their femininity. Um, so you. your your ethos is, I mean, I, I'm guessing, like I'm gathering that the essence of your ethos is to reclaim womanhood am i am i right in saying that yeah yes it is and what it do really you is. like what what do you think that is what's your version of reclaiming womanhood for me it means stopping to see yourself through society's eyes and start seeing yourself through your own because the society has been um very male focus and male dominant and women tend to see themselves through somebody else's usually a man's eyes mm. and that's very damaging and I also think that it is um it, it for me it is perfectly designed and yes sometimes there are problems but I think it's more because we disconnect from it than than anything else we don't listen to it we don't respect it 
Mm. And it also means to me to own the power and the strength we have within, to, to own being a woman, to own our menstruation and our birthing and baby making. You know, it's just, it's just, we're such amazing creatures. I mean, we create humans. It, it's just like, we create new life. It's pretty amazing. And then I, Stop seeing yourself, stopping to see oneself through this sexist and patriarchal bullshit that we've been made to believe for years and years and years. It's just been, it's, it's just unbelievable how little respect the society has for, for women. Mm. It's, it, you know, I have a little girl and she's been told the other day at school that she cannot be a pirate because she's a girl. What? I mean, sorry? Did you hear, um, <laughs> I saw on Facebook or, or Instagram something today um, that on like this morning, which is a shit show anyway, um, that they're discussing, would you trust a female pilot? Yeah. What? Of course I wouldn't. Uh, no, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> sorry. Because apparently, because like female conditions have caused accidents, like you know, it's oh absolute bullshit. God. But I'm I'm not even going to watch it because it's just going to make me yeah. angry. You, you know what? Female conditions and cold accident it caused accidents. Yeah, sure. But some asshole male with depression crashed a plane in the Alps a few years ago just because he was depressed and he wanted to commit suicide. He killed. A hundred people? I don't know how many. I'm sorry. Sorry. You know, it's just like, that's not all right. It's, it's, I mean, yes, we are different to male. We see certain things that they don't see. I mean, the nonverbal communication between female, you know, if you, if you sit in a room with two males, two females, the females just understand each other by looking at one another. That's very true. Men are oblivious to these kind of things. Mm. And I don't think it's I don't think it's bad or good. I just think that men and women have something completely different to bring to the table. And instead of saying, Oh, you're shit at this, it's like, no, you're good at this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because we everybody has things that they're crap at and everybody has things that they're good at. But when I hear like oh, women are terrible at this, compared to what, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah we might not be that great at doing this, but we're so good at doing that. And I, I don't, I, focusing on what we're terrible at, I mean, come on. <laughs> this is the Olivia that I know, <laughs> going on a rant. Uh, so I, I want to kind of, gosh, there's so much to unpack, isn't there, when it comes to womanhood. And I think that, we're still learning that I have a question that's quite like a I guess it's a personal question but I feel like I probably talk for quite a lot of my listeners here um I'm gathering from the demographics that I've that I understand I have that if you don't have children or you don't want children the respect in your body and it's like baby making like reclaiming your baby making nature and stuff um I don't know like what's your do you have an opinion on that because how I think trying to repair your relationship with yourself not always because obviously it can lead to like postnatal depression but sometimes like having a baby can 
make a woman go oh wow like I really abused my body I didn't like it I didn't look after it but look what it's done it's created this baby this life how amazing but for women like me who don't want children um and you've got something like endometriosis or one of the conditions that you have what would you say I don't know like do you see what I'm getting at like how yes how do we cultivate that self-love and respect through I've feel that whatever tickles your fancy you want kids get some you don't want don't get some it's it's the society's pressure but it seems to me that society will criticize you no matter what you do Mm -hmm. you know you have kids oh she's got kids she doesn't have kids oh she doesn't have kids or you know I work and I have a child like oh I'm a working mother you're a working mother you don't spend enough time with your kids or this or that you know your kid will have this or that you will be sad what and when a mother chooses to stay at home you know oh you know she's not doing anything with her life and a woman chooses not to have children oh she will regret it later I mean shut up (laughs) it's not your business it's not your life stop telling people what they're meant to do you don't know better for them you don't know what their story is you don't know what they're like so trying to impose your beliefs on them you know i i believe that you should do whatever you feel is good for you i mean live and let others live kind of thing you know yeah yeah if you it's just yeah I, I feel, you know, having a kid is tough. I mean, I've cried so many times in my bathroom thinking, I can't do this. And, you know, there were moments where I felt like, why did I get myself into this? Mm. So it's, it's, it's hard. And yeah, no, I think just do whatever is good for you. You know yourself and you're the most important, really. So even when you have a kid you're the most important because you cannot pour from an empty cup so exactly yeah you definitely can't so when it comes to reclaiming womanhood what do you I because I feel like in the space we're in at the moment we we're making like a lot of um claims like oh you know we need to do more self-care and we need to love ourselves more but we say these words but we're not actually sure about how to do it. Does that make sense? So recently I was thinking about this and I was like, oh, self-love, self-love, self-love. And I know what it is and I know how to help women to do it. And then I realized like some of the stuff that I was saying and I've said all my life and some of the behaviors I had, I was just like, this is not a reflection of self-love. This is a reflection of self-hatred. So how comes Mm. I can understand it as a theory, but I can't apply it to myself? So it would be really, and I think you actually have to do some practical things to get to that point. I don't think it's just about turning on a switch, like I'm going to learn to love myself more, or I'm going to learn to reclaim womanhood. So what, do you have any like practical tips or even just, you know, general suggestions to, get us to that place uh, well I can share what worked for me mm. um, you definitely you cannot just switch it on and say yeah I'm going to be more so loving from now on because Sorry, just it's sneezed. very it's a habit you know treating ourselves like that it's a habit that we've been kind of um, how do I say it we've been um, kind of um, made by whoever our 
people were in our lives to, you know, we see how other women in our lives treat themselves and we think that this is the way. And then we see how women and you, ourselves are treated by other people in the society and we feel that something is wrong, but we're not really brave enough to stand up for ourselves until something clicks. But yeah. then for me, um, being more self-loving is nourishing my inner child. It's, you know, it's listening to my needs, but not wants so much. The needs, and it's not so much what I think, but what my body tells me. So, for example, if I don't do uh, my evening ritual, self-care ritual, the next day I'm very low in energy. I feel uncomfortable in my body and then I realized that it's because I haven't given myself this love that then and that like the evening before mm. and you know I can say oh accepting ourselves unconditionally but it's not that easy and then what helped me I've been in psychotherapy for two years due to different reasons and what really helped me is looking, treating myself in a way I would treat my daughter. That's really and interesting. Second, and secondly, treating myself in a way I wish my ideal mother treated me. Wow. So, Gosh, that's, that's really deep. I've never really thought is, about that. It is, but it's really helpful. It's really helpful. And whenever I'm in doubt, whenever I, because... I do have very, I have self-abusing patterns and I've got some eating problems and, you know, I, I, I wasn't great. And thinking if I, if I make a mistake or something, I would beat myself up for days. And then if I ask myself a question, what would I do if Sophia did this? I would just be there with her and I, I would definitely not, you know, tell her off for this for days. I would just support her, say, it's okay. You don't have to worry about this. This is just ridiculous. Just, you know, just, it's okay. Mm. It's okay to be yourself. Nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes and they're all there to teach us something. And another thing for myself was getting to know my patterns and my triggers. So then I can become more self-loving towards myself by avoiding the triggers and recognizing the patterns of my behavior and changing them one step at a time, little baby steps that I'm doing. And I don't know, like introducing the evening self-care routine, but if I miss one day, not to beat myself up about it, which I usually would, okay, I was tired, I needed to sleep. So I went to sleep instead of going and having a face mask. And it's okay. I think you're right. It's the small steps that can make bigger changes in the end so you don't get overwhelmed. Um, And also not beating yourself up when there are times when you're not, you know, you don't follow through with whatever ritual you've created or you have had a bit of a bad day and you've been a bit negative towards yourself. Like it's not going to help to then be more negative to yourself for being negative. No. So, no. yeah. 
Well, just thank- cut yourself some slack that's it you yeah know. totally well thank you so much for coming on um i think it's perfect timing with valentine's day around the corner to talk about self-love and reclaiming womanhood mm, thank you so much for having me it's Hi, been a, it's been wonderful thank you so that's it thank you so much for listening um if you like this episode please rate review and or subscribe it helps others to find the podcast if you want to say hi to me i'm on instagram at this underscore endo life that is where i hang out so if you want to talk just say hi to me there or email me on hello at this um you can head over to um, my website thisendolife.com where you can read my thoughts and uh, advice etc on living with endometriosis and I also have a column on endometriosis news so yeah that's it I hope you guys have a great two weeks until I'm back and um, I will speak to you soon